Last time I uh, talked about um, what you are not. You're not this, you're not that. Or the Buddha, this is not me, this is not mine. And today I want to uh, point to what you are. Which I'm doing right now. I mean, I can't say more about it. And we will use the same metaphor, like last time, that the content of your experience is like a stream, the stream of consciousness, the display of your karma, things coming and going. And they happen by itself. So thoughts are coming, sensations are coming, the breath is coming and going. And then uh, last time the instruction was to step out of that river and to identify with the witness, uh, with the ever-present witness consciousness. And today we will ask the obvious question, okay, if I'm not the content of my experience, if I'm not my thoughts, my feelings, my memories, my name, my gender, the sensations in my body, the sounds I hear and what I see, and I'm not that because I'm aware of it, they are objects, they are objects of consciousness, objects of awareness. So when I'm not an object of awareness, who or what is the subject, who or what is the experiencer of this moment. And in our first meditation I want to make this little journey with you, stepping into the witness or the observer, softening resistance, softening the manipulating, fixing, controlling, interfering mind, softening that. And then softly and gently become curious about who's, who is experiencing this, what is experiencing this. So if you adjust your posture a bit and You can close your eyes if that helps you to be in contact with your inner life. And we start by just checking in, checking in the inner weather. So let's gently shift from the head into the body. From the doing to the being.
And initially you can place lightly some of your awareness on the breath, particularly the in-breaths. And then with the in-breaths you slide into the body, even down into your feet, and you appreciate the aliveness in your whole body. You can take a couple of deeper in and out breaths. Maybe it's possible to soften the belly, the shoulders, so the energies can flow. And thoughts continue to arise, but they are not important. Unhook from the thoughts. And maybe in the felt sense of your body, you need some. You meet some. tension or some discomfort, just let it be, breathing into, welcoming all the guests in the guest house of the body. If you notice that you grasp towards something else or you try to get rid of something, just gently open this fist of grasping. Sliding into present moment awareness. returning and resting. Allowing this moment to be exactly what it is. And we stay aware that we are doing this together. Maybe even meeting in the same place.
in uh, loving awareness. softening and opening uh, being here not knowing where here is uh, with a heart like a sky The objects of awareness, that's pretty obvious, or that is what you experience. Some of it pleasant, some of it unpleasant, some of it neutral. Like a stream. Changing and moving, flowing. And I invite you to make a backward step with recognizing that all of this is objects or content of experience. They're like the movie on the screen or the clouds in the sky. And you step back in the, into the background in, in that which is bigger than you. And you become aware that even if there's movements and contractions, good things and difficult things, there's also something which is not changing. Now that which is looking, that which is aware. And if you get entangled into something, you again make a backward step and you rest. You just rest. You let go.
Allow yourself to find a place of rest. By allowing What is this without words? What is here if there's no problem to solve? Notice that there's a part of you which wants to have problems, which tries to give meaning, and then you make a backward step, and it's obvious that it is an object of awareness. It is part of the movie on the screen, and we are stepping backward into the screen, being the screen in the sky. And then you rest. Nothing you need to understand, nothing we try to attain here. Just being here and that is effortless. So you are already here.
you can let go now. the sounds in your environment and just let them come and go like you let your thoughts come and go and the breath and the sensations in your body your feelings Everything you think you are, so the mental image of your body or the way you localize yourself in time and space. These are all objects of awareness, objects of the ever-present witness. from? Where are you aware from?
you know, give up, give up as best as you can the, the need to feel good, the hope and fear. Surrendering. Thoughts are like drawings on flowing water. In the moment they appear, they already disappear. And in these moments of doing nothing, they don't matter. They are not needed. give up thinking or unhook from thinking into present moment awareness, into spacious aliveness.
And then when you have your eyes close, I invite you to, in your own pace, open your eyes. And also bring the visual field into this uh, space, into this shared presence. Not collapsing back, if possible, into the central position. As if you are somehow behind your eyes and you look at a world out there. Rather more than a more more like a dream. Appearances, empty appearances in consciousness. And you are the dreamer. Not the content of the dream. So there can be a sense that everything is pervaded by consciousness, also the walls around you, they are also appearances within consciousness made from the stuff, uh, the same stuff your dreams are made from. So everything vividly appears like a like a rainbow, but it has no substance, no sort of solidity. As always, you can uh, just uh, interrupt me if you have a question or a comment. You, you need to unmute yourself. But also, uh, we have a break around 8 o'clock. Then you can, could write some questions you might have or comments on the chat. And Daniel will read them to me. But also, I will give some space for questions after the second meditation after the break. So I said that very often, but uh, I'm going to repeat it. Uh, so it's actually known for most of you know new information. In the Tibetan tradition, there's uh, two paradigms uh, around the Tibet, uh, around the spiritual path. And one is the gradual awakening. And the gradual awakening means there is someone and he's, he or she is not awakened. And there's a path and there's methods. 
and then you walk the path as someone using these methods, hoping that somewhere in the future you will attain the goal, uh, whatever that is. You know, for modest people, that would be you know, to be relaxed, uh, to be more peaceful. For some more ambitious people, maybe Nirvana or Moksha, liberation, and for the most ambitious people, then uh, full, full, full enlightenment, uh, Tibetan Buddhist kind of full enlightenment uh, Buddhahood. And of course, that makes sense. It also fits our way of thinking. You know, we are productivity junkies and fixing junkies and trying to get somewhere and having agendas and trying to be good at things and all the self-improvement stuff. In these uh, methods, they are uh, precious and uh, you know, some of them are helpful. But uh, those of you who have done you know, a few decades, 10, 20, 30 years of yoga and psychotherapy and meditation training and this method and that method and this guru and this self-improvement workshop and so on. I hope at one point you're just sick of it. <laughs> you're just tired. It's just one damn problem and one damn thing you can improve and heal and after another. So the other paradigm in the Tibetan tradition, um, which is actually what the Tibetan tra uh, tradition is about, or what the Tibetan tradition transmits, not only the Tibetan tradition, all mystics, all mystic uh, parts of the world's religions and different spiritual methods, so it's called the sudden or the direct path. And this is the view in Tantra, in Tibetan Buddhism, particularly in the Dzogchen and Mahamudra tradition. And there we explore the possibility that we already have everything to be whole, to be complete. Uh, to be one, available to us in this moment. And it is just a matter of discovering that. And today, uh, this evening, I want to advertise uh, the direct path, the sudden path as a possibility. That does not uh, mean uh, that we stop uh, the gradual awakening methods, as long as they're helpful. Often they actually become a kind of straitjacket uh, and you know something where you always fail. So I guess at one point one need to really put all our cards into the sudden or direct path. Because as long as 
you think that there's someone who needs improvement to be whole in the future or to be healed in the future, that will be like that forever. So you know that 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 approach will never bring us home. That approach will never bring us into wholeness. It actually covers up, or that's the danger in the gradual path, it covers up the possibility that this is it. It covers up the perfection or the wholeness of this moment, or this leaning forward into the future where you might get an insight or where you might get the necessary healing uh, to be here. So these glimpses of peace or these glimpses which break into our life when we forget the mini-me and something in us recognize that everything is just fine as it is. Really radical. Of course, our rational mind then immediately says, you know, the mini-me, which needs to have drama and projects and a gender and things needs to be better, things needs to be different inside or outside, will never agree with that. Uh, but there's probably in all of us uh, that sense that peace is available in this moment, that this moment is actually in its nature peace. And just don't listen to the buts for a moment. That which says the but will never give up with the but. Never, never, ever. You, you can do full-blown, heavy-duty retreat for 10 years and five years of intensive therapy after, and this part will still say, but. And the previous uh, uh, Tuesday, that's an important puzzle in this. You know, recognizing the mini-me as an object of awareness, or the ego, if you want to call it the ego, you know, the, the, the contraction, in the subtle contraction in your, in your body, with which we are identified, uh, to recognize that as an object, not as that what you are. And nothing needs to change with that. Yeah. So if that letting go of that surrendering 
relaxing into a DBS is a bit scary or it kind of makes you shrink again or it's uh, it, it might even feel a bit too much you know kind of as if if, if as if the mini eye will explode and so then, then that's a good sign but there's a bit of fear because in this letting go process we are we are dying not that something dies but the process is similar it's the same process which is going to be forced on you at, in the death process and all the things you think you are dissolve in all the layers it's like if you imagine there are these layers you know surrounding you like your habits your addictions your memories your fears your memories your name your personalities and you so you go, you just go like to all these layers you go to all these layers and they all dissolve and you go deeper and deeper and until there's nothing left nothing to hold on to And that is very scary. I mean, it sucks to be a mini-me, but somehow it also feels safe. It's very difficult to um, why well, not it's not only difficult it is actually impossible to describe this loving awareness if I would call it loving awareness or natural presence. So it makes me always a bit uncomfortable to move into this space. Because whenever I say something, I already recognize it as mistaken. It's like I, I try to communicate something with words, which I can't communicate. This is an important point uh, to, uh, to let in, that we are not talking about an object of knowledge. And I wish anyone 
would have found like a trick or like a not something something which would be enough like you know some 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 steps or uh, but um, there's nothing there's nothing uh, there's nothing you need to learn you know? and there's also nothing you can do I mean it's like you can't walk to your own feet So you know where. So, so let's let's start to walk to our own feet. So what you what you use for walking to your own feet, it it needs to be your feet. So if we we can't we can't search the Buddha with the Buddha. Buddha here is the awakened, yeah, the awakened. So that with which you search the Buddha is the Buddha. So you try to walk with the Buddha to the Buddha. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. <laughs> you know, to imagine this person like running like crazy to the feet, you know, trying to get to his feet. That's what uh, Franz of, of Assisi means when he says that what you are seeking is what is seeking. That what you are seeking, awakening or God is that what you're seeking is what is doing the seeking. And even like, you know, when we say, okay, bring your attention, or our attention, which is usually interested in the content of our experience. Yeah? So it's like a flashlight uh, illuminating the objects of awareness. So in the flashlight, that is what I called in the meditation the ever-present witness. So that's that is what is illuminating the objects. So even to say then now, okay, now turn that flashlight, turn that attention to its source. So be aware of being aware. Become conscious of being conscious. Even that is, it doesn't really make sense because the consciousness is already conscious of itself. Awareness is already aware of itself. So they, actually nothing needs to happen. You know, to say, you know, become aware of awareness, uh, it's, it's trying to do something which has already happened. <laughs> So and by, by by trying to do it, you again you know make this 
unnecessary step, you remove yourself already. So you, you again become a seeker and you're not a finder. But uh, maybe there's some value into it in it, like you know, so imagine you know rolling your eyes back and becoming aware that you're aware and then you rest, so then you let go of that. So are you aware right now? Are you conscious right now? I guess most of you would say yes. But what does that mean? How do you know that you're conscious? How do, how do you know that you're aware? And in some Buddhist tradition, uh, they don't say anything about consciousness itself or awareness itself. Because as soon as you say something, we have mental images and we have ideas. And then we might even confuse the ideas and the sentences and the mental images with the experience or the recognition. But uh, I will... Um, before the break, uh, still say a few words, but take them lightly. Yeah. They are kind of signposts. So the first, uh, the first description, uh, which is used in the Dzogchen tradition, to describe the undescribable as a pointer is it is cognizant it's knowing so when I say a word now or when you look at the screen that word or that image is an appearance within consciousness and it is known. It's cognized. And that cognizing presence is effortless. You can't switch it out and you can't switch it on. It's ever-present. So that's like the ever-present witness. The content of what you know or what is known changes. So you have different feelings, you have different thoughts, you hear different words, you see different things. But there is something which does not change, and that is the cognizant space.
So it is a, a presence which is here now and which was the same presence 10 years ago. And we are not, we don't know what is going to happen tomorrow, but the presence, the cognizant presence will be the same. So what we are doing is we are shifting our sense of I when we think I, usually it, it drops into the mini I, into the narcissistic loop. We, we, we allow this to drop into the unknown. It, it dissolves into that which is always present. So we are relaxing into where you are most deeply yourself and you always were and you always will be. So when people uh, struggle with uh, the teachings of uh, no self, and they they say, yeah, but there is like this. I'm here. I I am. You know, there's a. It depends on where this word comes from, but there is some truth in it. Yeah, I. So when you when we feel I am, but it. it this I am goes into goes like like this. And it's it's right, it's it's that very deep familiar I am. which we actually actually mean when we say I. I mean, it's, it, it, it doesn't make sense to say I and think uh, I, I am my personality and my feelings and my body and, and my gender and my roles and how much money I make. That does not make sense. So when you said I 30 years ago as a kid, Probably, you know, when you said I 30 years ago as a kid or 40 or 50 years, probably you were pretty close to being in contact with the true I, with the big I, with the big self. It's so close. You just say I and let it just drop into, into the mystery. In the second characteristics, so usually in the Dzogchen tradition, they talk about three 
three things. You know? So one is the cognizing, the other one is the emptiness. So what that means is we are we becoming curious about something here, the ever-present witness, which is unfindable. So we are not looking for something. It's empty. So that's why it is difficult to give it words like pure awareness or non-dual awareness or Buddha nature or the ever-present witness or uh, because it's empty. It's, it's unfindable as something which has any characteristics, any substance. It's, a, it's not an object of awareness. So in that way, you can't even say it, you can experience it. You know, because there's no it. And an experience always is a subject experiencing something. And the third uh, characteristic, or I don't know, I don't know even what they are. They are not really characteristics. The third pointer is um, there is a, a quality of unconditioned love in uh, in being present. There's a goodness in it. And there's also an intelligence in that goodness. So usually we think in order to navigate this world, we need to, the, we need to have the agenda and strategies and the fears and the reactivity of the mini-eye. So that's what we, how we function. Now we, we get out of bed in the morning, out of duty and fear. Uh, and we might... Uh, you know, make us, we might do the things by punishing ourselves or rewarding ourselves or being rewarded or being punished. So when that whole bullshit is deconstructed, then of course you know, there might be that lack of trust, you know, so what's going to happen now if I don't have an agenda, if I don't punish myself, if I don't go to work out of fear and duty and obligation, do I have any reasons to get out of bed in the morning? Yeah. So there is a, there is a, there is a, there is often like a period which can even last a few years of uh, not trusting that uh, in intuition, you might call it intuition, the intu intuition of the Buddha nature. So navigating in the world, also in daily life and in your relationships, not from the point of view of the agenda of the mini-I, but uh, from that intelligent goodness 
within us, which is called Buddha nature. And I think we all have that kind of experience. That sometimes in our life we actually listen to the, that voice. And it doesn't make sense to the rational zone of the mini-eye or the rational zone of the mini-eyes around you, particularly your parents. But uh, you know, something in us uh, is in touch with that uh, flow of the movements of pure awareness, the movements of unconditional love within us, which wants to emerge through us. It wants to it wants to emerge through this body and through this voice and through the way you look at people. There is a field of awareness or a field of consciousness arising which you can... So instead of meditating, you allow that field of consciousness, which is arising when we sit quietly together like this, in the space of compassion, protected by the teachings of the Buddha. So there's a field which we can... Uh, which we can uh, allow to meditate us. Instead of meditating, we, we are meditated. And uh, sometimes that's easier when we're actually physically present in, in, uh, in a room. In, you know, most of you have been uh, in a room with me and some of the people here. So maybe there's something in you can remember that. Your body remembers. And it's like uh, not trying to manipulate your experience, but instead of allowing the field of the group to meditate you. It doesn't make sense to the rational mind what I just said. Just Maybe you don't try to figure out what I just said. Also, right now, it's not only this group which is in the presence of the Divine. So there's countless people all over the planet right now who are in the presence of the Divine, in quiet prayer, in meditation, some of them in joy, some of them in despair. And uh, there's, you know, people, uh, there's a field which we can join if we let go of our agenda. And uh, there's people joining this field right now who are very deeply, very deeply they embody non-dual awareness. I'm not one of them, but you know, we can we can join those those guys. They, they are praying for us right now.
and and they're just waiting there with their open heart and with the uh, with their love uh, for you to join. And it's completely for free, and it does not it does not uh, need any preparation. It does not need any any healing. You know, it does not need that you need to heal your depression or your anxiety or something like that. It has nothing to do with that. There's a like a field of loving awareness pervading everything. So let's uh, sit quietly uh, for 10-15 minutes with that. And even if you need to make a leap of faith, could it be that everything you feel, everything what you see, everything what you hear is actually in its, in its nature love, is in its nature God, spirit, there's only spirit. And everything you experience, everything you hear, everything you he he think is movement of that spirit. So even you trying to get there is spirit, is, uh, is Prajnaparamita, the goddess, the great mother. So even you feeling I'm not there is her, because there's only her. You can't fall away from her, you can't get closer to her. Nothing you can do can you can bring you to Prajnaparamita. Even trying to get there is her. So even you now thinking about whatever, it's her. Yes, and within that, you know, so if you are a professional meditator, then your mind, your awareness might go to the breath. You know, that's also her. So you can also do a shamatha practice on the breath. It's, it's the same. You can also just fall asleep or you know, be completely distracted. or You just do what you're doing. It's all her. You see? It's all the, it's all the, the music of uh, Prajnaparamita, the Great Mother. So, opening stake with the group and with your surroundings. And connecting from heart to heart, 
in this weird meeting because you know we don't know where this meeting is. Yeah, but there is a connection. the silence which is surrounding and pervading everything. Yeah, but even the movements, even the unpleasant movements are in the nature of consciousness. There's also no stepping back because there's nobody who could step back. It's just this, it's just whatever arises, plays out and disappears again. They're all the waves of the shortest ocean of consciousness, the shortest ocean of love the shoreless ocean of the Dharmakaya, Buddha mind, Buddha heart. Just soak in that, you marinate in doing nothing. Joining the heart of all Buddhas. If you experience drowsiness, dullness, all that is the Great Mother, the wave, the shortest ocean of oneness, forget yourself. Present moment awareness, spacious aliveness.
centerless, boundaryless, timeless, transpersonal, Nothing of all this is you, and all of this is you. I notice if you let go of hopes and fears that there's a tenderness and all the gratitude of just being alive. And then, if you open your eyes, if you have your eyes closed, get a sense that you know, nothing changes. So, if if we have now, if you have done a meditation practice, then you know there's a sense of ending the meditation practice and then something else happens. Uh, but here we enter the never-ending meditation practice. Once you have entered the never-ending meditation practice, then you never start and you never stop because there's nothing you can start or stop. It is just this, you know, no matter what your body does, or if I talk more or less, or it's all the same. It's the movie. The movie changed, the screen stays. And of course, that's still a bit dualistic. Because um, the ever present witness is in the stream. So it's not that we need to step back into something behind this.
So the ever-present witness or non-dual uh, awareness, non-dual consciousness or oneness is this, there's nothing behind. The object of awareness and awareness is the same. It's fantastic if you don't need to meditate anymore. I mean, not in the sense of you know having a meditation session, like an event, which is different than the rest of your life. And you still are going to do it, probably, because there's some, some provisional benefits in having a quiet time every day. But it doesn't. Uh, it does. It's, it, it, there's no difference to the rest of your life. Everything you would attain in spiritual work, in meditation training, you know, and of course you can attain something, is really insignificant. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, you're going to die, and so what's then left over from your yoga and from your shamatha practice and loving kindness practice? You can't take anything from that with you. I mean, it's also not wrong. It's probably better to do it than not to do it. Yeah, but it, it it's not bringing you home. You, you know, you can't get home because you never left it. <laughs> so it's like trying to get home desperately, a place where, a place you never left. That, that's why you can't get there, because you, it, it's there, it's already there. You know, any move away from home to find home is already a move into the wrong direction. Okay, so are there any questions, Daniel? Yeah, there's uh, quite a lot of questions okay. uh, today. Um, Jens has a question that he said he would like to unmute himself for. I don't yeah. know if you were there, Jens. I am. Thanks, Daniel. Hi. Thanks, Stefan. Hi. Good to see you. Yeah. And thank you for, sh thank you for sharing the teachers, uh, teachings even though they make your mini-me uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I have a question regarding um, integrating non-dual teachings in daily life. Because uh, to me, you, we might talk about the difference between a direct and a gradual path, but to me, the integration is still really gradual, or at least the way I experience them is the sense of a mini-me you know, being slightly less neurotic, but only slightly. Um, and, and just curious to hear how you or how, how Buddhist teachings talk about being in this never-ending meditation or what it actually means to apply these non-dual teachings when the mini-me 
up when you get up from cushion and start obsessing about your mm. LinkedIn CV and your bank account. Yeah. There seems to be a correlation between uh, doing the, you know, what Ken Wilber calls uh, cleaning up, healing, and uh, and the waking up. So I think it's good uh, to have uh, like provisional tools in the toolbox for uh, for moments where the reactivity is very strong. Uh, so. All the, I mean, that's like 99% of the Buddhist teachings are provisional teachings working on the dualistic level, working on the relative level. So, so uh, that there seems to be a correlation. Otherwise, you know, the masters would also have just have dropped all the gradual path stuff. Um, and that makes sense, you know, if there's a lot of traumas in our body. Uh, which we are identified with, uh, then it might be impossible to be open to moments uh, of um, oneness or letting go. And then it's difficult to talk about integration with non-dual awareness because there's nothing you need to integrate. Uh, but but um, so that could be already, you know, that could be already the shortcut. Yeah, no, like, for example, no. Let's say I have a, a reactive moment, and I, I I feel, oh shit! I think I lost non-dual awareness because there's reactivity. So, just wait a moment. What is non-dual awareness? Oh, I don't know. It's not an object of knowledge. I, I have no idea what non-dual awareness is. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, it's all right. The reactivity is not separate from non-dual awareness. It is a movement consisting of non-dual awareness. So, and so there is this natural coens which might arise. And then the practice and instruction in the Tibetan tradition is, you know, short moments repeated again and again. So that's why we're coming together. So it, there seems to be sometimes in conversations like we have now, uh, it seems to help to, to reveal that this is it. And and something in you becomes familiar with it. You don't understand how to get there because there is no getting there, but somehow you, you soak in it and uh, and then without you knowing how, because there's no how, there's no trick, uh, it just becomes more natural. So it's just like you know, using this image of the fish in the ocean looking for water. So you know, that's where we are on the gradual path. We're swimming in the ocean and we're looking for water. And then suddenly, 
we get the teaching that it's all water and I'm actually water myself. I'm in the nature of water. The fish itself is water. So then there's this, uh, this the, familiarity, the familiarity or the trust uh, arises. And then, and then the little fish continues to swim, but there is something different. And the, the sense of being water and being in water becomes more and more obvious and more and more natural. And still, the fish has not understood water or has not learned some trick to be in the water. It's just a recognition a more familiar recognition of what is. So I think there's two things. One is the the cleaning up, the healing, the growing up, uh, you know, therapy, body work, uh, shadow work, uh, trauma work, and all that stuff. That's one thing. And the other is to seek uh, out environments like this one or, you know, just hang around other teachers who uh, te teach nothing. Uh, so that's my, my guess right now, to have the combination of doing the growing, growing up, healing, healing and cleaning up, and in the same time, go into this confusing spaces of uh, satsang or non-dual, uh, you know, non-dual, teaches um, and then and then waiting <laughs> Just waiting not giving not giving up and anyway from the from the uh, the, the healing the healing work and the growing up and the, the cleaning up will make you feel better so that's already a good thing yeah so it's it, it's good to feel better yeah in general uh, so it's definitely not a waste of time yeah is there... so then, uh, one question uh, can you say that the cognizing space is the same as God? Yeah, it depends of, you know, I mean, these are words, you know, so cognizant space, God, spirit. So if I use God, I use it as a synonym for Buddha nature. And uh, when you look into the mystic teachings within Tibetan Buddhism or the mystic teaching in Christianity, they definitely uh, share the same experience. Um, so I have no problems in saying using the word God, but, but I don't talk about uh, like, uh, uh, I, I don't use the word God, you know, as a, as a creator God or as some, as the other, yeah, so it's God is just a placeholder for me, non-dual awareness. And sometimes for me, it's even more powerful to just say, it's all God. I mean, it's so strange that people think this is not God. You know, my, like my my contraction or my 
my reactivity or my sense of separateness. Of course, I mean, there's one God and there's one spirit. It's all consciousness. It's it's Prajnaparamita, the great mother. That's God. But then we have another question. I, I, I just want to say, if I say God, I have no clue what I'm talking about. And I'm so happy that I have no clue what I'm talking about. That's a good sign. That's probably my only... my only... Uh, excuse uh, that I'm here and talking about this because I have no clue what I'm talking about. That's that's why I feel a bit confident in 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 in, uh, in sitting here. Yeah. Yeah, this one says thank you Stefan. I like what you said about a part of you will always attach problems to different matters in order to make them meaningful. Uh, I don't have a specific question related to this, but would love to hear the deeper reasoning behind this thought. Should I read that again? Or? Yeah, so that's, uh, so that's the importance of the teaching I gave last weekend, uh, last week, yeah, to, um, to recognize that that process, uh, the narcissistic process with which we identified with, and to recognize it. Uh, and, and in the recognition there is already the, the step, the step. Yeah? So it's not, uh, it's not necessary to overcome it or destroy it. You can't because it does not exist. I mean, one can't destroy something which does not exist which is unfindable, but the recognition of that is, is, is good. And that part lives from seeking, and that part will never rest, because that's its end. It's not going to, it's not going to bring you home. It doesn't want to come home, it doesn't want to come into peace, because uh, it lives from that tension, it, 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 it lives from the dualistic split. That's the food that parasite lives from. And it's not it's it's not you and it is you, yeah? So both. So the 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 method last time was I'm not this, I'm not that. So whatever I'm aware of, I'm not, because I, I am that which is aware. So, and now we, we, we start, so that's dualistic still, but now we become aware, we, we become curious about that which is aware, and in that journey then we start to discover that that what we are aware of is also that awareness. It's, so, you, you don't step out of the river, the, 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 the observer is in the river. There's only the river. Yeah. 
then this one says, I always felt that the mini I led me to this practice. I always wanted to be part of something greater. However challenging this is to me, it also feels good. It feels right. Perhaps my mini I were allies in this from the beginning. Mm. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's a good thought. Yes, the mini I is the Prajnaparamita, is the great mother. Yeah. The longing, uh, the longing to come home, is is the great mother. Yeah. The the praying to Allah is Allah. Um, and of course, the Buddhists they use that. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, if I if I never would talk to the mini eyes, you know, people wouldn't come. Yeah, so it's it's completely right. It's it's the mini eye which is uh, which hears about awakening and enlightenment and wants to have it. Uh, so and, and the Buddhist in the Buddhist marketing they use that. You know, they they tell they they give like placebos to the mini eyes so, or and the mini eye keeps on doing all this stuff and comes to the teachings and pays for it and so on because the mini eye wants to have something from uh, from it and it does not know yet that it will be its end yeah uh, but uh, otherwise it wouldn't join but but the mini eye will claim the experiences of non-dual awareness yeah and, and that's fine People say, like, wow, I had this amazing oneness experience, Kundalini, Kundalini exploding, intensity, in unconditional love. Yeah, so the mini eye uh, claims the experience, which is not the experience of the mini eye, but it claims. And, uh, and the Buddhist masters, they use that. You know? They tell all the mini eyes, you know, if you do this, you will be. An amazing compassionate person, and people will kiss your lotus feet. <laughs> so it is, it is okay, and it is like that. Uh, it is actually the case that uh, many people go to meditation or. Buddhist centers or any other spiritual centers because they suffer, because the mini-eye suffer. So they, they, the mini-eye looks for relief. And that's good. Some of the stuff really works. So there is, a, there is some relief for the mini-eye, but that's not what these teachings in the end is about. So in the end, it will be the really big disappointment. Huge disappointment, and you want all your money back. <laughs> Yeah, is there something else? Uh, uh, when removing the labels that fabricate the sense of experience, how far back can you go from an evolutionary point of view? Say it again. Uh, when removing the labels that fabricate the sense of experience, how far back can you go from an evolutionary point of view? 
maybe would you like some more clarification yeah. on this? I don't know if um, the person who asked this is... Hello, Stefan, it's yeah. me, super conceptualist. Uh, in my question, which I maybe have formulated a little bit strange, I mean from, from everything that we experience has been constructed by the mind to sense the, the, the world that we are living in. And this has begun much before the human human yeah. being and the concept of, of mm. me, me, or mm. I mean, from, from the state of being a mm. one-cell uh, species. Mm. Uh, I mean, how... F I, I think... Uh, I think... Uh, but that's now, you know, rational thoughts, I think it's possible in this moment to experience that you create in this moment the whole universe. That, 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 so, particularly in the Dzogchen view on reality, this moment is a radiance of your Buddha nature. And, but it is not recognized as radiance. So, like, you are the sun and you radiate out a universe. And then the sun does not recognize the light rays as radiance of itself. And in that moment, a dualistic split happens. Mm. And a separation. And then one, one starts to grasp or to reject. But also, of course, the grasping and rejecting are radiance of the sun of consciousness, of sun of the Dharmakaya of Buddha nature. And I think when you're fully awakened, you recognize it as that. So kind of the Big Bang you know, if you if you would use that, so you experience the, this moment as the Big Bang, and 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 in that, it's all you. Thank you. Uh, can I read the next question? Mm, I think time is up. Okay. Mm. I think maybe there's there's quite a few more questions, so maybe people can just uh, hang on to their questions until... Uh, yeah, can time. can you keep them for next time? Yeah, I can do that. I yeah. can just copy them. Yeah, copy them, and, uh, and then I can um, uh, return to them uh, next time. Yeah. Also, if you have some other questions, you can write me on Facebook uh, and then I might pick them up. So it's a good uh, Buddhist tradition to, uh, uh, to dedicate at the end of a session like this. Uh, so 
know, connecting with loving awareness, pervading everything, and uh, spreading it out into your into your world, into your relationships. Particularly if you have some people who struggle in your immediate surroundings. So we can imagine or feel an explosion of space or silence, peace, loving stillness uh, into all directions. And uh, coming together with uh, the love explosion which is happening right now all over the world. A field, a field of unconditional love, of wisdom, bathing you, but also streaming from you. Love meeting love. And may people look after each other, you know, everywhere, also after the animals. So may people everywhere look after each other. To become a better mini-me, yeah, so that's, that's also good. Let's see. Goodbye. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.